1: My name is Daniel Rodriguez. I'm a former U.S. Army sergeant, a former Rams wide receiver, best-selling author, and motivational speaker, and you're listening to Rams
2: Showcase. You're now on patrol with Sheriff Joe Bags.
3: Welcome back, Rams fans, to another edition of On Patrol with Sheriff Joe Bags. I am Sheriff Joe Bags, and today we have a special guest for you guys. I am with Daniel Rodriguez, former Rams wide receiver, former Army sergeant, and the list goes on. How are you doing, Daniel?
1: I'm doing good, uh, Good, Joe. Thank you for having me.
3: Yeah, thanks for taking some time, you? man. I know it's been a, been a busy time of your life.
1: Sorry, it has been uh, a lot of things going on i mean the new year's hitting in so you know a lot of people are in a different mindset a different mode and, and i'm in the same way you know i got a lot of objectives a lot of goals and a lot of things that have uh, are exciting to come up so just looking forward and staying positive
3: i'm excited to see where where you're going man i know you know from where we're at today this is you know january 3rd 2018 you've come from a crazy story and you know, it's 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 hard to believe that that story is almost over. There's still so much more to go. So, you know, going back to the beginning to so we can kind of see where how we got here. You know, let let's let's start with you know going into the military and kind of what that was like and and how that led to today.
1: Yeah, it, it was a it was a transition and a pivotal time in my life. I tell people because uh, my my dad died four days after I graduated high school, and that kind of just made me stop in in my tracks and like go, what am I doing? And I didn't have much going on. I had barely graduated high school with a 1.9. My friends were going off to four-year universities. I didn't qualify. I hadn't even applied for community college. And I felt my best option, uh, just looking around, making a lot of excuses with my life, was to join the Army and kind of just get out of town. And I just walked into a recruiter station. I wanted to go to the Air Force um, initially, and they were on a lunch break. And walked across the hall and ended up joining the Army raised my right hand, and three days later, I was in Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, down to basic training.
3: <laughs> wow, that is absolutely crazy. So, you wanted <laughs> to go to the Air Force. Uh, so, you know, kind of what was part of that decision? Why the Air Force?
1: Um, I had just been doing some research. I had been talking myself. I had applied for a job that I wasn't qualified for. I was 18 years old, uh, you know, just kind of in a whirlwind of emotions and not sure. And I was just doing my research as far as the military branches go, and I had read the duty stations were just, you know, more exotic you know around the world they have better pay grade and it was just a more comfortable way of living if you will as far as military goes and uh my road went in a, a complete 180 by just going across the hall to the army and uh in that change of pace if you will so that was the reason i wanted to go didn't work out ended up being army and uh I, I did army for four years after that
3: that is absolutely crazy i actually didn't know that that you were trying to go to the air force first what yeah, I, a difference felt- that felt- could have made culture.
1: Absolutely. It would, my life would be completely different. I would have been a different duty station. Who knows? But the fact, I mean, the story even kind of unfolds because I went across the hall to the Army, joined three days later, went down to MEPS to get my job. And I actually uh, didn't meet all the qualifications. i had scored high on my ASVAB, teps, ADV, ASVAB test. So I applied for every single or qualified for every single job in the military. And believe it or not, at eighteen I admitted to smoking marijuana one time in high school and they stripped my security clearance for me in the military and only gave me job clearances that were infantry, truck driver, um, cook, mechanic. And I was like, Well, what the hell? I'm not gonna you know, I just took this test and aced it. Like why, you know, why can't I do it? And I just kind of looked at myself, I was like, you know what, if infantry's open, I'm just gonna take it. You know, my dad was infantry and I really wasn't thinking about it. You know, it was two thousand six, during a time of war, Bush administration. And uh, the lady looked at me when I asked her if I'll just take infantry. And she just goes, you do realize we're in a time of war, don't you? And I was like, yeah, but I just need to get out of town. And that was all she wrote. I was in basic training three days later. And after basic, I was shipped off to Iraq for my first tour 24 days after basic training.
3: And you were there for a year, right?
1: My unit did a 15-month 15 de- to- month deployment during the surge in Baghdad. So I did a 12-and-a-half-month deployment myself, yes.
3: Oh, okay. So, And when you were out there, you were actually – part of a, a pretty intense battle. Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so that was my second deployment in Afghanistan. So I came home from Iraq, went uh, through air assault school, long-range marksman school, did some stuff, and I went back to Afghanistan. And uh, in Afghanistan, it was pretty crazy. I was in the Nuristan province, which is the furthest north in Afghanistan. I was at the most remote combat outpost called Kop Keating uh, in the middle of the Nuristan, you know, Hindu Kush Mountains. And, uh, yeah, on October 3rd, 2009, we were completely overrun by 300, 400-plus Taliban. The accounts are different. Um, 300 to 400-plus Taliban in a 12- to 15-hour firefight, uh, just completely chaotic. I mean, they, they struck us in the morning, complete ambush. And before 30 to 45 minutes, we had, you know, all our communications were gone. We had taken severe casualties within the first hour of the battle. And, uh, I mean, there was lulls in the fight and it was just a complete hellhole um you know we had fixed wings apaches uh we killed over 125 taliban fighters in and around the wire uh eight americans were killed eight of my good friends um so it was just a a really horrific day that kind of um you know inscribed a new chapter in my life and it kind of gave me a new a new found a new meaning um you know, and I didn't know it was going to come, you know, months, two years later, but that was just a significant moment of surviving when, you know, what's known as the bloodiest battle in the war in Afghanistan, uh and then continuing to have a six-month deployment after that day. So a lot of people think that that's kind of like, you know, that's such a monumental, you know deal, which it was, but the hardest part was realizing that I wasn't even going to get to go home for another six months after surviving that day. So, you know, that's kind of the mind game, if you will, for the rest of your deployments going forward.
3: And that's absolutely insane. And that in that battle, that was, I mean, obviously no joke, but I mean, time-wise, I, I read over 12 hours long.
1: Yeah, over 12 hours, man. I melted barrels. I threw, you know, uh, I had over 50 hand grenades. I threw a ton of hand grenades. Um, we had 240 bravos. We had, you know, mortars. I was shooting HE rounds. It was just in, intense and chaos, and nobody knew where anybody was at. Uh, so they had struck the generators um, at a at a timed at a time mark at a timed attack. So we had lost all intercoms. We couldn't reach out for um, airstrikes properly. And then on top of that, we were taking casualties left and right, and we were at a low ground uh, as far as um, position goes. So we were deemed strategically indefensible was what it was summed up to be at the end of the day. So not only were we attacked in the middle of nowhere, but the, there was a letter of reprimand, reprimand had handed down to people in charge, like the generals and stuff, because we had no mission of our base. Like we were strategically indefensible and just sitting ducks. So people, a lot of people got uh, career-ending um, marks against them for us even being there because of what had turned out or what had become of that day, how, of how uh, horrific it was
3: wow that is that is absolutely crazy so but and uh
1: to come out the pipeline it's where i'm a part of the most decorated platoon in modern u.s army history since i think vietnam um it's the only time since two two of my buddies in my platoon are both living and both have the medal of honor it's the first time since 1962 that two medal of honor recipients came from the same fight and are still living so that just puts it into like a comparison of how severe and intense the fight was like I mean, we were stacking bodies, bro. It was, it was crazy. So, you know, to survive that and then come back, it really opened my eyes as to what I wanted to accomplish or, or what I could, um, but it wasn't an easy road at first. But, you know, once I kind of got a bearing and realized that, you know, I have a life ahead of me worth living if I, if I think of it that way and realize what has been sacrificed and what I've given to continue to be here, like, you know, I need to take advantage of it. And that was kind of like the moving, moving point in getting out of the Army shortly after.
3: Okay, so now now you're you're leaving the army and and you're you're wanting to go play football. Can you tell me a little bit about the decision and uh, to go play first football first of all, and then also the decision of Clemson itself?
1: Ah, uh, for sure. You know, it was something that I had missed <clears throat> when I had joined the military initially was just high school football. You know, I remember crying in the locker room after my last high school game in the playoffs. You know, you're, you're never going to play again. And that didn't sit well with me. And, you know, as my life unfolded, I've always been somebody that holds on to what I love and, and you know, tries to pursue it in some way or, or make it happen. And I've never, and I've not always taken the easiest road, but having that feeling in me in the locker room and then fast-forwarding to war and coming back and realizing I had my education paid for and that I could go to any school in the U.S. essentially if I qualified and the, and the Army would pay for me since I, you know, was wounded and was a veteran, and it just was kind of this, you know, you realize that you had put yourself in a position all along to really go after it if you if you thought of it like that, and I did, and so I made a promise to a friend in the mountaintops that I would try, you know, to try to play football and go back to school, and he was killed out there, so that was kind of, you know, a, a burning desire as well to hold up my end, to give me purpose, especially coming from a PTSD low state of mind that I was coming from, like, coming first coming home from it or getting out of the army. And I just, you know, started putting my, my will and determination into wanting it more and, you know, not quitting on myself and realizing that, you know, there's a lot this world has to offer and I can go get it, but I have to start accomplishing what I want first. And that was football and that was getting my degree and that was getting my education. And, you know, it was a rigorous process. I had to go through schools. I had to get waivers by the NCAA coach Sweeney at Clemson, you know, was very persistent. So he was one of the, coaches that reached out to me i had a video that went viral on youtube that i put out for college coaches uh and i had about 150 schools contact me and one in my transcripts and this that and the other i was you know getting flown around doing a visit and coach Sweeney, man he just had this this tenacity this aura about him that i knew that i wanted to play for this guy like he was a walk-on he was he was changing the culture he was bringing such energy and you know i didn't really know much about the college scene or what he had done or what he was on his way to accomplish but it just clicked and when you have a feeling that you know me i'm all about intuition and if it feels right then that's what i want to do like i trust my judgment more than you know anything and uh clicking with him and kind of how the stars aligned and and where it went wound up i just knew clemson was going to be the place to go when i when i made contact with coach sweeney and talked to him for the first time
3: that's awesome, man. Uh, it's good to have, like, the coach be the deciding factor, not just geographical or, or whatever. But you, you had, actually – oh, go go ahead.
1: I had, no, I had no idea where the hell Clemson, South Carolina was. I never – I wasn't even a big college football fan. Like, people don't even realize that. I liked the NFL growing up. Um, I really didn't even watch football. My mom and dad didn't go to alma maters like that. My mom, you know, didn't go to school. My dad, you know, did night college in the Army, you know, like – so my dad's degree, you know, I didn't grow up in like household, so there wasn't that like, I don't know, that buzz about college football. But well, my dad loved NFL, so I was a big fan of the sport. I played the game, but college was irrelevant to me. I didn't, I didn't want to waste my Saturdays watching football. Are you kidding me? Like that was a Sunday thing. Like I want to be outside playing, you know, either the game or doing something else. So when I fast forward to even potentially play college football, the only team that I really knew was Virginia Tech because I was from Virginia. And Coach Beamer didn't want me to go there. Or he wanted me, but he wanted me to finish my associate's degree. And I would have to wait two years to even play. And I was just coming off four years in the Army. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to be, you know, 29 before I even see a snap. And Coach Sweeney was the only one like, nope, we're going to get you in here, man. Like, he was just – it was just like – the way that I live my life, like, I want something, I get it done, I accomplish it, I see it, we're going to make it happen. That's how he was. Like, you know, you just, you get a sense of vibe that he has a sense of urgency. And that was a, a, a deal setter for me because I wanted to play for a guy that had the same energy that I did. Like, oh, you think it's impossible? Well, let me show you that. We can do it. And that was pretty much, you know, the selling factor.
3: That's that's really cool. And, and you were able to, you know, you only had the one touchdown, but can you describe that I mean, feeling of being able to score
1: i mean to be honest to be honest i mean i score a lot of touchdowns in practice and i'm just like <laughs> no yeah but, um no man great feeling man i mean listen we, we can highlight the touchdown but i'm 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 a realist it was we were up by a lot against the citadel it was fourth and goal mind you in the fourth quarter, so you know i I gotta paint the picture that it wasn't you know a miraculous Rudy moment for Notre Dame or something that the the movie highlight. Your boy got in though, you know, I put my work in, I had busted my ass. I had a few close times of the year before. I had you know three catches my first year, then seven catches my second year, so I was gradually getting better as a punt returner, and then kind of just being able to check that box off on the stat line of having you know a Division one football or a touchdown in Death Valley you know, military appreciation game was pretty cool and uh, definitely a surreal moment, you know, hearing the fans are up and just, you know, you know, I hadn't scored a touchdown since high school. So, you know, it's kind of a, I wanted to spike the ball, but I had to act like I'd been there before. So, you know, it was kind of just a unique a unique feeling, you know, that not a lot of people get to have and experience and not just that, but, you know, you reflect back now on what you overcame and what you went through just to, score uh you know six points you know for you know when you really think of in the scheme of things how excited I am about talking about a touchdown like let's not forget what I went through just to even get on that field you know so for me like the beauty of it is just the overall journey thus far you know in that one moment it's just a sweet cherry on this bowl of fruit that my life has has hence become since become. Does that make sense?
3: <laughs> yeah, in the in the in the grand scheme of, you know, the football game, it's 6 points, but in, you know, from a personal standpoint in and, and the steps that were taken before those 6 points were ever scored. I think that's really where the story's at. I think my favorite part though is the play call itself. I love that little play, yeah. that little show. I don't it's like not yeah, necessarily a shovel pass.
1: My... Yeah, it's the uh... Another uh, stat line to boast uh, boast on was that game. I had two catches, wait, three. Was it three catches or two? Yeah, two catches, negative one yard, and a touchdown. That was my oh, stat. Wow. I <laughs> That's had been tackled cool. in the third quarter. A Blown play. It was a screen pass in the third quarter. My receiver missed a block. I got tackled for like a three yard loss. And I scored a four yard touchdown. So I had, or something like that. Like so I had <laughs> two receptions, negative one yard in the touchdown. I went to our SD, our sports director, our sports information director. I was like, you show me a stat line who has negative yards in the touchdown with multiple receptions, and I'll tell you you're a liar. And he just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I know that one's in the record books for right now.
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting stat. That's for sure. That's probably, that can probably be popped up in trivia somewhere.
1: Who receptions negative one yard and a touchdown?
3: <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: it's actually hilarious.
3: That's a crazy story. Especially
1: so, when you play behind guys like Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Martavius Bryant, Mike Williams, Adam Humphries, Jerron Brown, that, that was my class, you know, and Deion Kane's coming out. I played with Hunter Renfro. So we produce. So you know, a story like that, my touchdown in college, you know, was surrounded by highlight reel after highlight reel, you know. And that's <laughs> just, fair. <Yeah. laughs> just because i have a Purple Heart, it's a it's a, a historic touchdown. In reality, people are gonna be like, this kid had, you know, two tosses and negative one yard. So for me, I have to make light of it and just you know, kind of basking the moment of how great it's been, how funny it is at the same time, and how how much uh, life can bring if you just go out and do what you want and go try to accomplish what you believe and dream of every single day. And the gratification of what can be is so sweet if you get there. Like I I can't even, it's awesome.
3: Uh, Yeah, I can only imagine, man. So, you know, you're, you're leaving college and you're still wanting to play football. You get a tryout with the Rams. Can, Can you tell me about that tryout and how that went?
1: Man, I'll tell you. So, I uh, I graduated Clemson, and we blew out at Oklahoma, like forty something to three. I mean, the game was over in the second quarter, and that was my last college game. And I knew I wanted. I got an invite to a college um, to a senior bowl game. I was excited. The Medal of Honor game, like the inaugural inaugural uh, thing down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, like. I went down to that and I, and I was really adamant about playing in the NFL. Like I was really serious. I told my friend, my coaches, never mind my coaches, my position coach thought I was kind of joking. Um, so, you know, that was kind of a, another story, but I was like, you know what, I got a lot going on and that I want to do. And I was with the girl that, you know, we wanted to move to California. So I packed my bags from Clemson, loaded up the U-Haul and drove cross country and just, Came out here and started training at Exos and Carson at the StubHub Center. Found a place. I live in Hermosa Beach. Found a place right next to it in Hermosa Beach. And just trained. I paid out of pocket. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have, you know, any representation. And uh, I just worked and trained and trained. And then, you know, I had busted my ass. And I was really hopeful that maybe I would get an opportunity uh, as a walk or as an undrafted free agent or Mr. Irrelevant. And nothing happened. Like, I didn't get anything. Um, on draft days, obviously, I wasn't expecting it. And then the draft ended, and a day went, two days went. And then you just start having this pit in your stomach. It's like, man, like, you know, I believed in myself. Like, I blocked out all the bullshit and nonsense I went after. Like, I invested in myself. I put everything, you know, that I could. I didn't take off. And you just want an opportunity. And then next thing I know, the third day after the draft, my phone rings, and it's uh, the the Rams. And I got a call from the Redskins as well. And the Rams coincided their two-day tryout that they offered me was like on, you know, the second or third, I'm just making it up. And then the Redskins was like four days later, like the sixth and seventh. And as an undrafted free agent until you sign, you can go to as many tryouts as you're invited to unless they conflict. And so my thought was okay i'm just going to go to the rams in st louis like you know i haven't played since my bowl game so it's been like six months shake off the dust and then you know once they say goodbye thank you for coming i'll go to the redskins and maybe that'll be like i can open some eyes there and i went to st louis for two days brought like a little roller suitcase like you know positive attitude i was i was going hungry like i didn't care like what happened like this is i had nothing to lose like this is my dream like i'm not gonna let anybody talk me out of my highest vision and uh, I got there, and, you know, I ran some good routes, made all clean catches. And I think the biggest thing that uh, sold me or solidified me as a, you know, as a 90-man on the 90-man roster going into camp was my punt returning, my film and my punt returning abilities. And Tavon hadn't made it out of a preseason healthy or through a season healthy at that time. And I was the only person they brought in that could punt return. So that was kind of my niche. Um, and, you know, so I made some plays. You know, I could catch, obviously – um, played the slot like the back of my hand, but you know, you really have to distinguish yourself in a position that nobody else can, and that for me, that was punt return. Um, so, yeah, I did great at punt return. I made a really good catch on Janoris Jenkins actually the first day out there, believe it or not, and I had one on Tremaine Johnson. Um, so, I had like just solid, just a solid showing for the two days, and I, you know, I packed my bags, I brought my roller case downstairs, and I, you know, I shook Les hand and Coach Fisher at the time, and I just thanked them. I was like, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, like, you know, having me out here. And they brought me to the side and they're like, Hey, you know, you know, if you'd like to be a Ram, you know, we'd like to have you and sign you as an undrafted free agent. And I was like, well, you know, I have, you guys had my flight out and, you know, I had a Redskins tryout in you know, five days. And they're like, well, if you want to be a Redskin, that's your call. But if you want to be a Ram today, you know, you need to sign right here. And I was like, yeah, you got a pen on you. Let me, uh, let me uh, go ahead and sign this right here, or right now. <laughs> and uh so I signed it and, you know, I, they sent me home for literally 24 hours to bring another bag. They're like, yeah, you got to go get your shit because I didn't have anything. I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen. So they flew me home. Like, got to see my friends and stuff for like 12 hours. So that was awesome, you know, because, you know, I got to come home and be like, damn, I'm signed, pack my bags and fly back out to St. Louis and uh, start OTAs and mini camps and learning it and, you know, just building relationships and, and living your dream, you know. You, you got your eye on the prize. You know, you're not even thinking preseason or 53-man roster. It's just like, holy shit, like, I'm on a 90-man roster in an NFL facility, like, really doing this, like, really going to meetings. Like, this is – I really have a chance. And regardless of what the odds and statistics may be, a chance is a chance in those that have worked hard and relentless to get a chance something they've dreamed about their entire life. When they're there, it is pure bliss. And uh, so that was – that was – you know, kind of my experience getting there. And then I played four preseason games. My last play in the NFL was a concussion against Kansas City, man. Got knocked out. And last thing I remember was looking at Coach Fisher above me. And, you know, I got the day wrong and the year and who we were playing. So they told me I couldn't go back out on the field. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and, uh, it was an uh, an amazing opportunity. And then fast forward, I got cut. I had an opportunity to play in Canada and overseas, but – some other things unfolded and I get back to Los Angeles and I wasn't sure if I was going to stay here. And, you know, I enjoyed it. My agency was out here. I had started making some friends and some networking and then they announced the Rams were coming to LA. And it was like this, you know, serendipitous moment, you know, all my friends, you know, the draft class, the last draft class, you know, like girly and all them, like all my boys like are coming to LA. So I was like, well, maybe I'll stay here. And uh, so I've been able to call it home, you know, as, I've since, you know, my speaking career has been doing amazing. Um, you know, my autobiography hit bestsellers list young, so I had a, a bestselling author. And it, it's just been a great road to be able to play football, continue relationships, and now um, create a brand and entity of yourself that can inspire others. And that's an awesome life to live for me because, you know, there's a lot of times that I've been lower that I needed sources of, energy, you know, in some form or fashion. And now when you have accomplished what you have and that alone inspires people or drives people to do something for themselves, that's kind of been like the new chapter for me is tapping into that. Well, you know, sports gave me so much it led me here. The military led me here, like everything of my life and my timeline has led me here. So it's like, how do I reinvent and reshape the narrative for the next move? and uh it, it was a great run and, and the rams were, have been an unbelievable organization for me and still to me in st louis they brought me back for a salute to service game and now uh this one they recognize me on the field and so i'm just very appreciative to have been um given an opportunity there and it worked out in my life that the team came back to the city and you know i'm able to be still a part of the organization and have great relationships with the team and and be embraced by a city that I absolutely love now here in LA. So it's been, it's been a cool uh, past two and a half years for sure.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool to be able to, you know, to have the team that you played for there, but you know, going back to, to being on the 90 man roster, you know, this is actually when I, when I learned your name, cause you know, anytime Ooh. there's 90 men on the Rams roster, I could probably list off, probably 88 of them like off the top of the head so that's that's what i learned your name and i actually learned your name from uh, one of my best friends uh his name is james he's probably your biggest fan i don't know if you know that or not but he uh he actually told me about you and he he was telling me all this stuff and, and i was like man this is awesome and then you know watching in preseason watching the kick returns the punt returns all that stuff it was really really cool to see and uh one part of that uh, that time is, you know, one of Rams fans, maybe not favorite people, and that happens to be Jeff Fisher, but I wanted to ask you, what was it like, you know, playing for Jeff Fisher, even though it's a, it was a pretty short time, what was Jeff Fisher like as a coach?
1: I really enjoyed him, you know. I, he was just very, um, coming from Coach Sweeney, uh, who was like high energy, high octane, like you know we had just won you know we were 42 games in four years and you come to a guy that that bring that keeps the game fun but makes it adulty I don't know if like you know I'm kind of like just tangent rolling here but that's just his demeanor like he's just a cool guy like he's his persona like he gets shit done he you know he expects you to do your job he treats you like a man so for me going into that he was and not only on top of that but he was just Super appreciative of military of military veterans or veterans in general. Um, so we had an instant connection of you know I knew that and what he had been doing for the USO and stuff. So being able to play for him and just get a different approach to the X's and O's from him and his style uh, was really unique for me as a player and uh, a fan of the game because you know you know I grew up watching him coach and stuff like he's a, you know legendary coach and you know how his years unfolded whatever teams he's been up that that's not my history my history with him it was awesome um and i really enjoyed playing for him and and he made it a lot of fun uh and i felt that he created a good energy and created brought staff that you know really highlighted what he wanted to do and you know he got players to play and you know i don't know i enjoyed i enjoyed coach fisherman he was a cool dude and uh you know i, I was sad to see him going i know a lot of guys were but uh, you know, in return, what what has become of the program now, or the organization now, has been an absolute 180, and something amazing to watch.
3: Yeah, and and Jeff Fisher, like to for anybody you know listening, all that stuff uh, the the whole the whole idea of Jeff Fisher is he's a great guy. You know, nobody questions that. The players obviously love him. He's 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 a guy that can connect with with the players, and and that's huge. You know, being able to have that that relationship with your players is really cool. But, you know, obviously what's happening now is very different. And does that have, have to do with the coach? Maybe a little bit. There's new players and stuff like that, but you know, Jeff Fisher was the Rams coach for a while. He he absolutely had my support when he was here, but I got to say I'm super excited about Sean McVay.
1: Yeah. I saw, I, uh, I saw this coming, you know, it's it's just, it's, 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 it's business models. Like, that's what the NFL is. You know, it's a business. And we look at Fortune 500 companies. We look at the Facebooks and Googles that have to reinvent themselves to continue to compete. And a lot of these businesses in the NFL do not. They have the same systems and coaches, and a lot of them are working. You know, I would not touch the check, you know, Patriots, you know, thing going on to change it. You know what I mean? But there's some businesses in the NFL that have the same stuff and aren't doing anything. And when I saw it being the youngest coach, I immediately I was like, oh, my gosh, I'd love to play for this guy. You know, I, relatability breeds continuity. Like, it changes the atmosphere. Like, I talked to some of my guys in the league, and I won't mention names or teams, but it's like, oh, how so-and-so. And he's like, I mean, he's he's a great teammate. He's just old. You know, like, they can't relate to him. So that's that right there is a factor of not being a team unity. And when you bring somebody in that wants to prove, like wants to bring a new edge, that creates a buzz in the locker room that these guys are only a year of separation, shit, probably some of the players are probably older than him. You know, like I was just like, this is going to be a fun town. In L.A. too, I was like, this is going to be a fun ride. And I grew up a D.C. fan, so I've always, you know, from I'm from Virginia originally, so in Washington. I used to be a season ticket holder of the Redskins, so I always kept up with the Redskins organization, the Shanahan, and when he came I was, you know, it was fun to watch over there. So coming to L.A., you know, with everything, how it unfolded, and then, bringing Sammy in this year, you know, buddy of mine that played at Clemson, I was just absolutely psyched for what was to come. And, uh, you know, Todd coming off his sophomore year, I think he was, you know, just lights out zoom focus Goff was given an opportunity to make it his own. Um, you know, they're kind of with a chip on their shoulder after the hard knocks season and last year, how it unfolded towards the end. You know, I think there was a lot to prove and, and, uh, and, uh, and the guys have really stepped into the spotlight and they have made it about winning, and and that's what's fun about football is when you win. The fun is in the winning, and they've continued to have that success, and I think it's an awesome testament to that. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's how you lead. It's how you get your people to play for you and around you, because there's not a lot that separates talent in the NFL on any 32 teams there is, right? Like, people can kind of play for who they want to. Like, they just have to have effort and desire. And when you have somebody bringing that out and you've a culture and you start winning and realizing you reap what you sow, and there's just so much more sweet victory in the victories, like, man, it's an awesome part of feeling to be around. And that's how it was at Clemson. So when I saw him come in, man, I was, I was pretty excited to see what he was going to do. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him all the best. I know the guys talk highly of him, So it's really cool to, to be on the sidelines. I've personally never met him. I've never spoken a word to him. You know, I've just, you know, kind of been in the distance, but I've admi- I've admired uh, as a fan. Uh, he's definitely an idol from of mine as far as a young professional of what he's accomplished. So, um, hats off to him, and he, he's he's coaching my team. You know, so it's really cool for me to to be a fan of what he's doing in the entire atmosphere that LA is buzzing about right now.
3: Yeah, he's doing an awesome job. I want to touch on something that you mentioned there, though. I won't make you name names or teams. I won't let make you throw anybody under the bus here. But you had mentioned that you know some guys out there have a hard time relating with their coaches, uh, maybe because the age, whatever it happens to be, personality differences. So, uh, you know, do you think it's a big advantage for? for Sean McVay to be so young and, and have players on the roster that are older than him, like Andrew Whitworth and, and guys like that. Or do you think it just happens to be his personality uh, uh, that that really connect makes, makes that connection?
1: I can't speak for his personality. Again, I've never, I've never held a conversation with the guy. I've only seen the highlights and snippets. Um, but it, I think 100% personality has to do with it as well. You know, um, I can tell you from what I've seen, you know, him and Coach Fisher do not hold the same locker room, you know, post and pregames. That's not to say one's better, but, you know, Sean McVay amps those guys up. I mean, those guys are in sync. They're in motion. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different buzz. And so I think to, it is an advantage to having guys on the team that are older than them because it's like it gives those guys in the NFL a sense of pride. Like, think about uh, – what's his name? Whit, the tackle? Andrew Whitworth. Think about yeah, think about Andrew Whitworth Square. Like he's come to the end of square. He's never played for a coach younger than him. Like it's all he's always been the old man, but still had old heads over him. Now, I mean, he's got to feel like kind of like a, a you know a big guy in that locker room, like really earning his keep, like really his his time and and, and experience is valued and a whole new level from his head coach, like, come on, that's got to be sick to like bring it into work every day and know that your experience is more powerful for the guy that you're working for. Yet that guy that you're working for still empowers you to be a better version of yourself. Like that's a unique time, that's a unique time capsule and space to be in. And that's what I knew was going to come or what I didn't know, but that's what I anticipated coming. Cause it's like, you want to come work for your boss. You want to come, you know, Bring it in. And I know if you don't relate, if your meetings aren't fun, if you don't, you know, bond with the people in, that you're working for, you're not going to have a successful company, period. And, you know, when you have a successful engine and management and, you know, everybody buys into the system, like I said, the separation in skill talent isn't isn't much. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, girlies are freak, you know, we have our freaks, everybody, every team has them. But when all cylinders are clicking and the belief is different and the environment changes and the will to win is precedent and the expectation to win is demanding, then you change. Then you see W's on the column more than L's, and that's where we're at. So it's it's really cool to see a young team, right? I mean, what's the average age for the, for our game? You know, under 25, I, I imagine. Right?
3: I believe it's but, right around 24. Yeah,
1: there you go. A young team, right? Like, you know, you knock on wood for injuries and, and attitudes, but, you know, they have a lot to be looking forward to and a lot to be happy for, or, or to be, uh, to be hopeful for, uh, for years to come. So I'm, I'm, I'm again, uh, excited to be in the area and, and be a part of the buzz, uh, that is the LA Rams right now.
3: Oh yeah. It's definitely exciting, especially coming from, uh, myself, who's been a Rams fan for quite some time, sat through uh, what I like to call the dark era and, uh, now we're here. So it's pretty fun now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was born I was born in uh, 88, and I think the Redskins won their last Super Bowl in 91. And, I mean, they won like three and four years. So, growing up, it was all the hype. But, you know, fast forward 26 years later, you know, they still never won. So, I get where you're coming from, the, the low. I know what it's like to be a part of a fan base and a community that just lives off glory years, you know. So, it's, it's cool to be in my prime and in a city and a team that I played for <laughs> with my friends on it. That's balling out, you know. So it's kind of a, a real, um, shit, surreal moment for me and for them, you know. And I'm just a bystander who got a taste of it for preseason. You know, this is their guy's life that they've been working for every single day, going to training camps, you know, getting better off-season, conditioning. I use like, a full-time job for them. And this is what it pays off for. Like, I think that's what people forget about NFL players and, and or sports players in general. Like, this is their cherry on top. Like, this is the pinnacle for them. This is the destination that they need to get to in order to get to the other destination that they have been dreaming for and frothing over their entire life. So, you know, being able to check off a division championship, the second year here, I think is going to be paid to an outstanding um, contribution for years to come because that monkey's off our back, Um, you know, and then we're going to be able to get a home playoff game. These guys are going to be able to really, Get a feel of the atmosphere and, and vibrancy of and what it is to play at the next level, and that again is what makes team special. That again is what makes your 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 Mannings and Rodgers and Brady so elegant under center because they've been there before, and that's the experience that we need to get these boys. Because once they get that, then they'll be head and shoulders above them. And we have a coach that has that experience, man. It, it's it's going to be fun. You know, you're, it's going to be hard to talk those guys out of their confidence and out of their swag factor. And when you have that ability to bring it every single day, knowing that you have a competitive edge on every single angle, man, you're a hard team to beat. And and that's when dynasties come. That's when runs are built. That's when championships can be won. So um, I'm hoping that that's something that I definitely see in my lifetime. Uh, in the next few years for, uh, for this city, that'd be amazing.
3: It's been fun, man. And like, uh, it's just kind of interesting, you know. You you look at how Rams fans were all talking in preseason, and it's like, man, I hope we can get to like eight and eight, nine and seven, and maybe a wild card. And now that the Rams are sitting eleven and five, division winners, now it's like Super Bowl or bust. And it's just it's kind of crazy yeah. how fast it all happened.
1: I know. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would not go that far. I, I'm uh you know I, I'm a real. I know it's hard to win any single game from preseason to a home playoff. It's hard any given Sunday. Um, so my, my joy is just seeing the team get better, the progression, you know, from when I got on the team, the class that I, the class that I was a part of, you know, TG's class, uh, Havenstein, Jamon Brown, Mannion, um, those boys, um, Malcolm Brown, um, like seeing them progressively get better each year, like that's a testament. See, the, the fan base, the fantasy world of football, they want instant gratification. But those of us that know the players, those of us that have a relationship and understand the game, we realize that it's not an overnight switch, that they're building something. And, you know, that's the impatience that we're not really taught as fans to to hold on because, you know, and again, business models go into play. I saw, I saw the youth coming in, you know, and it was just like, hold on tight. This team's got something special. And, you know, we've, we've put in that work. We're here and, uh, yeah. You know, I kind of forget the point I was making. Oh, the class and stuff. But yeah, it's just. It's just I
3: mean, I, yeah, I forget what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, man. It's it's going to be fun. But I uh, actually, you know, I know you don't have all day here to sit and talk with me. Uh, so I wanted to mention your book, and you're you're right. a best-selling author, and basically, uh, you know, this this story and kind of what we've talked about is covered, I'm sure, in way more detail, and. And in, in the book, the book is called "Rise: A Soldier, A Dream, A Promise Kept." Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it encompasses growing up. You know, I kind of have um, a unique ba- background. Um, I'm Dan, my name is Daniel Rodriguez. I grew up not speaking a lick of Spanish in the country of Virginia. You know, in down in the South. So now I live in L.A. So it's kind of you know people are oh you're from Virginia you're not from you know California you know Texas I'm like no man I'm from south so you know it brings me up to my childhood and kind of joining the military and kind of you know what it was like and you know my experience over there in depth in the military you know, from Iraq to Afghanistan and really kind of the low states of coming back you know I almost committed suicide with PTSD I had four friends come home and kill themselves after war I lost 24 friends in both my conflict the engagements I was a part of so it was just a really horrific time for me trying to adjust and on top of that I was the first ever NCAA athlete granted permission to make money off my name, and I was, you know, flying around speaking in college. I wrote the book in college, uh, so I just ha- kind of had a whirlwind of a, of a life coming from war and uh, pursuing. In and in, at the same time, you know, on the parallel, staying focused on graduating a three-time All ACC with honors and staying focused on me wanting to play in the NFL, having that in the back of my head the whole time. So just kind of a journey um keeping a promise staying true to myself and you know rising through any adversity in your life you know rising through the misfortune because everybody has problems everybody has bad days and bad moments but you know we can all find it within ourselves to stay driven we can all you know be better and challenge ourselves and look to encourage and not be so negative negative. and that's kind of what the book encompasses it's you know it's not sugar-coated by any means it's not a disney you know good war story come playing american football no i wrote it raw um, and, uh, it's been very well recep uh, accepted. It's my memoir and I'm proud of it. And, uh, yeah, go check it out. Let me know what you think. I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful the way it's written. And I appreciate everybody who goes out and purchases it. And uh, if you ever see me, I will never hesitate to sign it. So thank you for that. And, uh, it's available on Kindle, Audible, Amazon, all the work. So wherever you want to get it, it is, it is there.
3: Oh, and, and a reminder with, with the Audible, uh, you could probably download that for free if you use my promo code. But uh, the, there was there was actually a few years ago, and I haven't really heard anything about this lately, but I wanted to ask you, is a movie still going to happen?
1: It is. That is a very – I mean, you know what? It's a funny thing, the world we live in. Um, it was bought for – it got picked up for option rights been written. There's like two scripts. I've had meetings. I, you know, they they tell me that the one of the most difficult factors or one of the most um, reasons that it hasn't been made is they cannot find a Hispanic star. Like I know uh, one. Uh, uh, me, right? That me? No,
3: I've got one. Uh, my friend James, he's five foot eight, plays wide receiver. He'll be at CSU Pueblo next year, and he's your biggest fan, and he's perfect.
0: There
1: you go. Well, fine. <laughs> Well, they have told me that because they want you know they want to put a character in there that sells tickets and there's well there's oh. never really been. <laughs> i it, seriously and you know if there i've been told there's like there's not a hispanic role and i'm just like well that's really weird like i can play myself but nonetheless the script has been passed around like it's still a, 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 in circulation i've been contacted by a few studios you know they've been working on it but I have my manager that represents that. It's kind of out of my hands. I don't let my life get concerned with that. You know, I'm, I'm focused on, you know, speaking and, and, you know, doing other things right now um, and, and, and making a difference in other areas. Of the, and I let other people, if they want to find interest in my story, put on a film, you know, they, they do it. The people that I have in my life to deal with that. So it's kind of cool. I hope it will get made. That'd be a, that'd be sick to have, you know, a movie made after you. But um, definitely in the talks, but nothing concrete in the works.
3: So would you have any interest in playing yourself in that movie?
1: hundred percent, bro. Like I'm, I actually, I'm in a Netflix original coming out, um, in May this year. Um, so I do acting as well. So I'm in entertainment, uh, I've done, uh, go 90 series. So, um, yeah, I'm getting on camera more and more. I do music as well. I write, uh, I've done poetry and, uh, yeah, so I've kind of been all over the spectrum. That's why I really enjoy the city. It's because it really lets me tap into my creativity and kind of just go where I want to and do what I do what i do best and uh so i've been able to you know kind of make that my world so yeah um i would love to play myself i mean honestly it would be the most authentic you could get i like,
2: that's true
3: are, are you, you allowed to, to name drop the uh, netflix original series you're going to be in
1: uh it's called medal of honor i don't know if honestly i don't know if i'm allowed to name drop it but
3: Jordan, I can bleep it out. It's fine.
1: <laughs> it's just uh, you can say Netflix original, anticipated to drop on um, Memorial Day. Isn't it? Actually, okay, no. I'll I'm make... pretty. No, you can. I'm, it, you can. You can Google it. So yeah, you can drop it. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. It, I just can't talk about like plot and cast and stuff like that. But.
3: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So, okay, we've got we we kind of talked about it a little bit. We have a pretty big game on Saturday, the Atlanta Falcons at the Los Angeles Rams. Me being 26 years old, I was born at 91. I never thought that, first of all, I'd get to see the Los Angeles Rams. They were four when I moved. And then for them to go back and play at the Coliseum, I thought that was awesome. But now we get a Los Angeles Rams playoff game played at the Coliseum in prime time. So I wanted to get your I'm putting you on the spot here, one hundred percent. I want to get your score prediction of this game.
1: Hmm. Let me think. All right. I'm gonna break it down because I have a lot of friends on Atlanta. I played with Vic Beasley for three years and Grady Jarrett. So I, I have to respect my boys on that defensive line because they are forced to be reckoned with, as is ours in LA. I think that'll be a conservative factor on the play calling. Um but also, I think Coach McVay is going to be aggressive. I would like to do twenty-seven seventeen, Los Angeles.
3: All right, that's that's at least the the winning team I was hoping for, so that's good. <laughs> uh, I'll
1: go twenty-seven seven twenty-seven twenty-four, LA. We're
3: gonna
1: we're gonna we're gonna get it out.
3: Well, you gave him another touchdown.
1: I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm not good. At predict- I, like predi- I don't like predictions. You know, like it's fun to do, I guess, but that's fair. That's you know what I mean. I'm trying to. I, I'm thinking there's going to be some nerve. There's going to be some excitement. You know, I that gives this is an advantage really to Atlanta. You know, they're coming off a Super Bowl year. Um, you know, they've got the more experienced quarterback and more experienced wide receivers. Like, you know, we have to give credit where credit's due. You can't overlook that and have buzz and hype just be your only factor of, of, um, uh, getting ready, you know? So you have to really, you know, in the tangible factors. And that's the reason we're here is because we do that. But at the same time, once you're on that field, X's and O's, you have to be executed and experience might not always win or prevail. So you know for me when I try to do a prediction I, I know that that team coming in isn't a team that's cakewalking or you know slipped into the to the uh uh to the playoffs because I, there's three of their four people in that division are in the playoffs you know so those boys yeah, had, a, a, had, a, had, a, had a tough year to even make it in there so um definitely not sleeping on them so I think it'll be a close game I think our defense is, is playing in a top tier. I think our guys are going to be rested. That's an advantage for us. Those guys are coming off a, a pretty intense game in Tampa Bay, uh, down to the wire and and a loss. Right? Where did they win? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, uh,
3: the uh, Falcons actually they beat the Carolina Panthers last week.
1: Oh Yeah, I was thinking uh, Tampa Bay Saints. Yeah, Carolina. So they're coming off the game, um, which was still in the mix of contention. So they weren't resting people like the Rams were. So. You know, there's a two fold, you know, scenario, but again, your adrenaline's pumping when games are on the line, and this is what athletes dream for. This is what they salivate for. So, you know, pre Madonnas is what they get called behind their backs and on limelight. But let me tell you, those guys that are there, they want more money in their pockets, and they want status uh, on their resumes. So they're going to bring their A games 100%. And, you know, as we say, anything can happen in the playoffs, and that's why we watch them go big or go home.
3: Absolutely. I have a trivia question for you real fast. Uh, oh. I'll see if you can answer this one. It's it's a difficult one, I know. But uh, if you added up, uh, you know, all the guys on the current Rams 53-man roster, if you added up each individual playoff game that all of those guys have played, do you know how many games that is?
1: Damn, I'm trying to think of the roster who has playoff experience. I'm sure, yeah, Witt probably got some. Or does he? Yeah,
3: yes, some. yes. No wins, With, uh, but experience. Yes.
1: How many games total of the entire fifty-three? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to go down the line.
3: It's a five, hard one. Five three. It's actually it. That's a lot lower than I expected of an answer. It's actually twenty-one because you got uh, Lance Dunbar running back for Dallas, and then you know Andrew Whitworth gets a couple in there, uh one and dones unfortunately for the Bengals out there but yeah there's just just a few and a lot of that is because the, it's a lot of homegrown talent or
1: yeah, drafted talent I, was, I guess i was thinking wait i knew he was he didn't go too many up there i didn't know uh the dallas running back that's uh that's another thing i'll say too I, I don't i uh since the move in the team like it's it's uh i haven't kept up with the trades and roster like sometimes i look at the screen or catch the guys and i'm like seeing new names in new jerseys so you know how it goes like it's a business, like people, injuries happen. So sometimes I look out there and I don't even recognize the name of the guy. So I'm just glad that they're getting roster spots, filled with people that are continuing to move the ball, how it's needed to get W's up there, you know?
3: That's absolutely fair, man. Um, before I let you go here, uh, where can we find you on uh, social media?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. All my, uh, all my social platforms are Rod underscore 83. Um, and I'm on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram. Oh, my Facebook doesn't have an underscore, so it's DanielRod83, but on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Daniel Rod underscore 83. Uh, and I love to be interactive, um, uh, answer questions, messages, um, sign books, personalized stuff. So it's pretty cool. I, I enjoy being, have creating an audience on the social bloods and social platform and uh, enjoy being interactive on there. So definitely check me out. Appreciate that.
3: Absolutely. And your website, what is your website again? DreamBigDaniel.com. DreamBigDaniel.com. awesome man well hey man i want to thank you well uh, first of all on on behalf of you know myself and all of us at sports world radio and all the ram showcase listeners i first want to thank you so much for your service man uh your story is is incredible in what you had to deal with out there and what you were able to do out there and and keep going and then not only that but then you come back here and then you pursue your own dream and then you're doing all this other stuff, you're acting, you're motivational speaking, you're writing a book. Man, your life is absolutely insane. I love it.
1: I appreciate that, man. I'm trying to, uh, uh, quote I heard last year, uh, Helen Keller, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. And I'm trying to, I'm really taking that to heart and try to make the most of it and follow my ambition, stay true to myself and uh, make the most of this life that I have. Uh, last to live. So thank you for that
3: absolutely man thank you so much uh for taking some time and talking with me i know we went a little over what we discussed but but i couldn't stop man i couldn't stop listening to the story it's, it's perfect
1: all good brother i got a i got a text in the middle that said i didn't have to be there so it worked out
3: oh perfect <laughs> well thanks for taking some time man and i hope you have a, an awesome day and uh, let's go ram let's beat the falcons this weekend
1: absolutely let's go Rams. take care